If you will, take your Bible and turn with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. You get the right message out. I got a couple messages in here. There we go. Dad goes out of town and a lot of things take place and that seems to be the way things happen sometimes. And so y'all pray for me that I can get my mind fixed on this message, right? <laughs> I've been studying, and I hate to do this, but I, I was thinking about that, that song that we just sang, the, the, um, the, the, the last hymn that we sang, about a home beyond the river. And today, I'm going to be preaching on that, about how Miss Caroline Johnson got her new home. That's, 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 what I, that's what I'm preaching on, how she got her new home. And I, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, how it, it, it describes... What our old home is like, this body, this, how do you feel like this, 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 this home's getting a little worn down? Anybody feel that way? <laughs> you know, and it's starting to fall apart a little bit. And the Bible actually says it's only a tent anyway. It's only temporary. But Miss Caroline Johnson got her permanent home. Hey, she's got that new body. Her spirit now abides with the Lord. And man, isn't that awesome thought that one day, one day, all these storms and these things that are going on, all this sickness and death. We think of cancer and all of these. And man, we can get discouraged over that, but we know this. We have a hope. We have a hope in Jesus. And we one day will have a new body, a new home in heaven. And I'm so excited about that. Today, look at 1 Samuel chapter 20, or 2 Samuel chapter 23. I apologize. 2 Samuel chapter 23 with me. Good to have you visitors with us today. We are thankful that you're here. Hope you've had a good uh, service so far with us. It is a little different. Dad's out of town. Somebody was here that, 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 that heard Dad on our internet. Brother Cody would be excited about that. And they came because they wanted to hear him. And I apologize so much. You have me instead. <laughs> but we'll do our best to preach God's Word. Maybe that'll be a blessing to you. But uh, we're glad that you are all here. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 23. We'll start reading in verse number... We'll, we'll start in verse number 8. It says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 men whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo, the Aoite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were, gathered, that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave into the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. Verse 11, And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. And here's going to be my text, verse number 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Today, with the Lord's help, we're going to preach on that subject, but he stood in the midst. But he stood uh, in the midst. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we need your help. Lord, we know that we are without you we can do nothing, but Lord, we know that through you uh, all things are possible. Lord, pray that you would just please bless in this short time of, of, of studying and reading and preaching your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that if there are any here that need to be saved, God, I pray that you convict them. Lord, I pray that there's any here that have been falling down in what they need to be doing for you, God, I pray that you'd help us to stand for you. Lord, I pray that we'd be bold in our witness more so than ever before. God, speak to us, encourage, strengthen us, inspire us through your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we're looking here in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and we find uh, sort of David's Hall of Fame. Uh, this week, I, <clears throat> I had the opportunity, somebody gave me some, some Braves tickets, so I went to the new stadium. Anybody ever been to the new stadium? It's pretty interesting, pretty neat. Had a good time. Baseball is so slow for me. Anybody with me on that? I have the hardest time watching a whole game, and especially when they're getting beat like 8-2. to two. You know, R.A. Dickey was throwing the ball like 30 miles an hour. They were hitting it over the fence. So I got tired of watching. And so I went and walked around the stadium. We're walking around the stadium, and there's this area in the stadium where you walk through, and they have these big statues, busts of people, and they have gloves, and they have names. And, and what it is is it's, it's a... It's a a place where all of those that are affiliated with the Braves that are in the Hall of Fame have their names. Well, here we find sort of the same thing. We find David, <clears throat> he is giving sort of his Hall of Fame of his warriors. These, these are men that did some mighty, some great things uh, for David, and he's, he's identifying them here. And so we're going to look at a couple of them. We're going to look at mainly at Shama, uh, but let's look at a couple of these in, in a way of introduction. First, I want you to see a Dino's spear. So we see here in verse number 8, it says, and um, it says, and chief among the captains, and it says in the, the end of the verse, it says, the same was Adino, the Esnite, he lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. He lifted up his spear, and did you notice it was 800 at one time? That's some odds against right there. But it says that he lifted up his his spear. And let me tell you, in, in, today I, I feel like our churches are starting to let, uh, let a lot of things start to slip. We're starting to let down a lot of things. But Adino wasn't that way. He said, I'm going to lift up my spear. I don't care if I have 800 men coming against me. I'm going to lift it up. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to lift up some things again. Hey, we need to start lifting up some standards. I, I'm telling you, I, I think our churches are starting to let things slip way too much. We're starting to become way too much like the world. And we need to lift some things back up. Uh, you know, this week I was reading an article, and I probably need to stop doing this, but I was reading an article about a lady that went to a restaurant and got kicked out because of the way she was dressed. She was seven months pregnant with twins, and she was wearing a shirt that came right here, and she was upset that they kicked her out of the restaurant. You know, we're not, we're not even fighting for modesty anymore in America. We're fighting for decency. And as Christians, we ought to be different. Hey, ladies, we ought to dress differently. Men, we ought to dress, we ought to look differently. Because, listen, we, 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 are, we are examples of what God wants us to be. Uh, uh, we, we should be testimonies to this world. We need to lift it up. Hey, our music, I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened uh, where all of a sudden it became right, all right for Christians to listen to country music and rock music. I remember when I was a teenager, man, we used to have messages, complete messages on rock music and why we ought not be listening to it. The rap music of today, these things that are invading our mind. We need to lift up the standard once again. What's happened to our churches and our actions, the places we go, the things that we do? We ought to lift it up. Uh, we we ought to be examples to the world, not excuses. You know, that, that's one thing that uh, our leadership in our churches, uh, in, in our church, I'm going to say our church, our church, that's what we, we, we desire and we request and actually we, we, we expect of leadership is that you be an example, not an excuse for somebody. And they ought not be able to look at you and say, well, she does that, why can't I do that? We ought to be examples. We need to lift it up once again. And what does this really come down to? I'm, I, I'm not preaching standards for legalism and that kind of stuff, and I'm holier than thou. It's because we lift up Jesus. 
When we do this, we lift up Jesus. And Jesus said this. He says, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be lifting up Jesus. When you lift up Jesus and you give him the proper place in your life, you're going to be a little different. Hey, this guy was different. 800 men to one. That's a little different right there, right? But what happened? God gave a great victory because of it. So we ought to lift some things up. We see Adino's spear. But the second thing we see here is we see Eliezer's sword. Look at verse number 10. We'll look at verse 11. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Man, what a name. The Aoite. <clears throat> I mean, I'm telling you, you know. Um, one of the three mighty men with David. And when they defied the Philistines, they were there together, uh, gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. So we see that um, Eliezer's there. He's with David. And they're, they're, they're fighting the Philistines. And he's fighting. Everybody else left. Notice verse 10. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. I, I, what got me thinking about this subject was when Brother Mike Norris was preaching on that the other day, and he was talking about that sword and how they would wrap it, and, and, and it'd have like a, like, a, like a grip, like if you ever used a tennis racket, some sort of grip like that. And Adino, or Eliezer, he's fighting, and he, he fought so hard, the Bible says that his hand clave into the sword. And what that literally means is that he would start bleeding, and, 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 and he would bleed into that grip, and, and, and it, would, it would clot and dry. And literally, they had to pry it out of his hands. Uh, I was looking, and they, they said that word, it has the idea of something being welded together. He, he, he's basically saying this. He's saying, I'm, I'm in this fight, and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to be faithful unto the end. This sword is not going to leave my hand. And we need to have some people today that will stand up and say, I'm fighting to the end. I'm going to be faithful to the end. We have so many people that quit, so many people that get discouraged and, and, and are just done with it. But we need to have some people that will hold on to that sword until it can't be pried out of their hand. Hey, you know, that's, that's the way I would be about this Bible right here. You know, we ought to hold on to it and cleave to it and cling to it. I don't care what the world says about it. I don't care if the world says it's false and a fable and all these kinds of things. This is my Bible. This is God's Word. I'm going to hold on to it until they can't cleave it. They can't, they can't take it out of my hand. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, to Not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we faint not. Hey, there, we've got to stay faithful. We need to be faithful unto the end. And something jumped out at me about this verse. I want you to look at the end of this verse, verse 10. And we'll get right to the message. We're, we're almost there. This is the introduction. Look at verse 10. It says, And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. You know, who was out there fighting? It was, it was, it was Eliezer, but who, got, who, who, who did he give the credit for the victory? We'll, we'll talk about that a little later too, but it was the Lord. Notice this. And the people returned after him only to spoil. What happened because of the faithfulness and the fighting of Eliezer. Other people were blessed. Hey, they came back. To, they, didn't, they didn't fight for it. They came back because of the faithfulness of uh, Eliezer. They were blessed. And can I say something? If you're sitting in this church today, you're blessed because of the faithfulness of some people that have done it before you. You know, I, I don't want to brag on dad too much because, you know, people think that's just your dad and that's family and stuff. But hey, my dad's been here for 40 years. Hey, he's held on to that sword for 40 years. 
And he has fought a fight. And you're here today. We, we've, we've experienced a great time of worship today. We, we have this building, all these things, because some people before have been faithful, have stayed true to God's Word. And we've come along to the spoil of it. You know what that does? That, that, that tells me is we ought, to be, we ought to be thankful for that. We ought to let people know that. We ought to tell them they appreciate it. I don't know if these people did or not. You know, if, if it were me and our LAs are, I might be saying, hey, look here, I'm the one that fought this. This is my prayer. Y'all, this is my spoil. Y'all get out of here. You know what I'm saying? But that's not that. He, he, was, he, was, he was doing it for them. And that's what people do. They sacrifice it. We need to be faithful. Because, listen, the other people depend on it. Hey, is there going to be a church like this for your children, for your grandchildren? Hey, if you drop the sword, if you drop the sword, there's not going to be that here. You know what I'm saying? And so we need to hold on to that sword. So we see the sword of Eliezer. We see the spear of Adino. But I want you to notice, and this is what our text is, we're going to see Shammah's stand. We see the stand of Shammah. Look at verse number 11. We see in verse number 12, but he stood in the midst of the ground. So we're going to look at some practical principles here that we can apply from Shama's stand. So some practical principles we can apply from Shama's stand. All right, number one. Number one, he recognized that there was a battle to be fought. So number one, he recognized there was a battle to be fought. Look at verse number 11. It says in, um, in the end of it there, or the middle of it, it says, And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. So what happens is that, 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 that Shama's there, and there's this, this field, and field of beans there, and and, and all of a sudden, he sees uh, across the way, he sees that the, the Philistines are starting together. This is something they did every year. They would come and steal their crops. And, and he sees over there, here is a group of men of the Philistines. Our enemy is here, and they're gathered to battle. He realized that there was an enemy and that there was a war to be fought. I imagine a shaman, I could, I could just see him in my mind. You know, he's over on the other side of that field, and he sees the Philistines coming. And, and what do you think he starts doing? He's, he's like, hey, hey, honey. Bring me the armor. I'm getting his helmet on. He's starting to put that helmet on. Put on his breastplate, you know. And he starts to, he gets his, his loins girt up. He gets that, that thing put up there in the, in the belt. And, and, and I, I mean, he gets his shield out, makes sure it's ready. And, and he's getting ready for that battle. He sees him over there. He knows he's about to be in a war. I, I imagine he takes out his sword and he probably sharpened it up. You know, I'm going to need this thing to be real sharp and ready to go. And, and he's getting ready for the battle, because he knows he's in a warfare. And you know what's so bad about many Christians today? Is they don't even realize that we are in a warfare. Hey, if you're going to take a stand for the Lord, the first thing you've got to realize is there's a need for us to stand. There's something going on that we have an enemy. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says that your adversary, the devil, he's not, he doesn't like you. This world doesn't like you. This world hates you as a Christian. It's against you. You have an enemy, an adversary. And we need to realize that today. I think a lot of times we try and blend in with the world, try and be like the world. The world is not our friend. The world is our enemy. We are in a spiritual warfare. The devil is after after you. He wants to devour you. He wants to steal and to kill from you. We're in a warfare. And Shama realized this. Hey, I don't know if anybody else did, but he was ready for that battle. Can't you just see him, all these other people going about their daily life? That's the way most Christians are today, right? Just doing what they do and don't, not, not even thinking about the Lord or the warfare they're in. Can't you just see all them? They're walking around in their casual clothes, doing their casual thing, and Shama walking around in his armor. You know, there's something, what, what are you doing? You're, you're a little strange there walking around in your armor. But he knew there was about to be a battle. And we need to realize there's a warfare to be fought. You know, in, in Ephesians, look at Ephesians with me right quick. Ephesians chapter 5. 
Look at verse 14, Ephesians 5, 14. We as Christians need to wake up today. He says in, in Ephesians 5, 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Hey, look, we need to wake up as Christians. We've gotten too casual about this thing. Hey, we take it too flippantly. We need to wake up. There's a war to be there's a battle to be fought. There's a warfare. In Ephesians chapter 6, just in the, next, in the next thing, in the next chapter, he tells us what we're to do because when we wake up, what are we supposed to do? Look at verse number 10. He says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse number 12, he lists who we're fighting. Verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. I mean, you know we're in an evil day today. And having done all, what are we to do? To stand. Hey, listen, we're in a warfare. We need to put our battle gear on and be ready to fight. Because the devil, hey, he, he's going to come and devour you if, you if you don't. So the first thing that we see here is that he recognized there was a battle to be fought. Number two, look back at our text. He counted certain things precious. Look at the next part of that verse. It says, And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. Now, does anybody know what lentils are? Anybody ever had lentil soup? I like lentil soup. I like lentils. I, I mean, I'm, I, can, I can do that stuff. I like it. Beans, all right? That's lentils. That's beans. So, what, 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 what's taking place here is that Shama sees this troop coming to steal their field of beans. Now, most of us think, well, that's not a big deal. But you know what, what was happening every year? The Philistines, they were, they were sort of the, 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 the thorn in the side of Israel, right? They're like the, the, they tormented them. They, 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 they were kind of a bully, you know? That's what they did. And each year, these, these, these Israelites would, would grow their crops. And, man, they would, I'm, I'm, any of y'all ever grown crops? And, you, you know, ever, like, you know, you get a tomato and you're like, Got a tomato, you know. It's like the greatest thing in the world just because I grew that. But, but they'd grown this field of beans, put a lot of work into it, they, the effort into it. And every year, the Philistines, at harvest time, when the beans were ready to be picked, they would come and steal their beans. Now, Shama, he finally said, I'm done with this. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them taking my beans. I'm tired of them taking my ground. And, and, and I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm taking a stand for it, you know? Any of y'all getting that? I think it's about time we got tired of the devil taking some ground. You know, he's stealing from us. He keeps taking things from us. And we keep letting him. You know, Shama said, I'm done with this. I'm tired of it. You're not stealing my beans. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to protect. I'm going to guard. I'm taking this ground back. And we need to start standing up and taking some ground for the Lord again. We've given way too much. We need to count some things that's precious. This, this Bible, it's precious to me. Hey, I, I love the King James Bible. I love it. I mean, I, I don't want anybody taking it from me. Uh, this world's trying to tell me it's false. They're trying to tell me it's antiquated. They're trying to tell me, well, that's what, you know, that's culture and all this. Listen, this is the Bible. This is God's Word. Sin was sin then and sin is sin now. And we need, to, we need to hold on to God's Word. Hey, the way of salvation, man, that's precious to me. People try and put works with it and all this stuff. Man, the, the way 
God's grace and God's grace alone by faith, that's the way I'm saved, man, that's precious to me. People and souls are precious to me. Are they precious to you? You know, what, what is the eternal thing? It's the souls of men. We ought, to be, we ought to be, that ought to be precious. We ought to care about the souls of men. Hey, that's precious to me. This church is precious to me. I'm tired of the devil taking ground. We ought to count some things precious and we ought to be willing to stand up for those things that, that are precious to us. I see Shama, he, he stood for some things because he thought he, he counted some things to be precious. Now notice the next thing. So number three, he did not follow the crowd. Look at it. It says, and they were gathered together in a troop and the piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines. So can't you see Shama? Shama got his armor on, got his, he got his sword and his shield and he sees them coming for the beans and, and Shama's headed this way. He's like, yeah, man, we're going we're gonna to take these Philistines. They ain't taking our beans. And I imagine he thought people were going to be with him. You know, you ever done that? You thought people were going to, yeah, they're going to be excited about this. Right. This is a good idea. We're going to go get the, the field of beans. And so they start to go that way. And what happens to all the people? The people start to flee that way. You know? and, but, but, but what Shama, this is the thing. Is that we're going to take a stand for the Lord. It's not always going to be the popular thing. It's not, sometimes we're going to have to go against the flow. Sometimes it's not going to be uh, taking, we're going to have people taking that stand with us. They're going to flee and go the other way. But listen, we need to be willing to take a stand for the Lord, even if we're all alone. Even if it's just us. I thought of Psalm 1-1. You might want to write that down and look at it sometime about how we're not to walk in the way of sinners, you know. I thought of Proverbs chapter 1, I think it's verse 10, where it says, If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. We've got so many Christians today that are just falling into that trap. They're consenting to what the world says is okay or what the world says is right. We need to be going in the opposite direction of that. Uh, look with me. We'll look at one. Look at Proverbs chapter 13. Here's a good verse for you. Verse 20. He says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Have you seen that? You know, I don't want to get off on this because I'm, I'm having some personal issues in my own mind about it, but we have started accepting so much of the world's philosophy today, haven't we? And thinking that's right and that's okay. I mean, they must know better than me. They're, they're the world. They're the, you know, they're the professionals at this thing. They know what they're doing. And yet we, 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 we don't take God's Word. That's what we need to be lining up with. That's the wisdom, right? And, and we, the, the philosophies of the world, you know, this, this anti-authoritarian, this, this philosophy, all of this stuff that's going on, and we're like, that's right, I guess. No! Just because it's the popular thing, just because it's the world's thoughts, it doesn't mean it's right. God's Word is right. That's what we ought to be following. Look at, um, look at chapter 23, Proverbs 23. We'll look at one more. Verse 17. And these are all through Proverbs. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Wow. Don't we do that sometimes? We look at those people and think, oh, they're having a great time. I'm just going to let my, let my guard down. I'm going to let my standards down. I'm going to go this way because they look. Notice this. But be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Look at verse 18. For surely there is an end. And thine expectations shall not be cut off. Hey, when you're fighting for those precious things, those eternal things, the world might think you're crazy, but one day when eternity comes, we'll see who's right. Amen? So we see here 
that we aren't to follow the crowd. You know what this makes me think of? It makes me think of Jesus. It makes me think of Jesus when He stood alone on Calvary that day. You know, a lot of people would have fled. A lot of people would have ran from that. Jesus knew the night before He was praying, He knew what He was about to face. He knew the cup that He was going to have to, 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 to take. Uh, he, he, he knew he, he, was, he was in such anguish about it. He said, Lord, if you can take this from me, God, Father, if you can take this from me, take it. But you know what He did for you? He stood alone on that cross. Hey, He took our sin. He took our pain. He took our suffering. He stood. You know, taking a stand for Christ is not always going to be popular. It's never going to be popular. The Bible teaches us that. But you know one great thing is we never have to do it alone, do we? Because Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hey, we have him with us. He stood alone, but we'll never have to because he's standing with us. So, he did not follow the crowd. Look at the fourth thing here. We've got a couple more. We're done. Look at chapter 23, 2 Samuel 23, verse 11. And the people fled from the Philistines. Verse number 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground, and he defended it and slew the Philistines. So the third, or fourth thing is he defended the ground boldly. He defended the ground boldly. Notice what it says. It says, but he stood where? In the midst of of the ground, and defended it. We don't see Shama sneaking out there in the middle of the field. We don't see Shama hiding. We see him standing right now. Can't you just imagine that? This troop of Philistines is coming. They're going to go get their, they just think they're coming to get the harvest. They always run. And, and all of a sudden they see one crazy Israelite with a sword, maybe a spear, and, and, and a shield, and his armor on standing right in the middle of the field. Nope. You're not getting it this time, bud. <laughs> not this year. We grew these beans. There are beans. You're not getting it. Stood right there in the middle of the field. We got a lot of Christians that are ashamed today, aren't we? we, we we're, we're almost afraid to take a stand. You know, we ought to be Romans 1.16 Christians, shouldn't we? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation. You know what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8? I think it's verse 38. He says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my Father. I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, Jesus is going to be ashamed of us, some, uh, a lot of us, when we stand before the Lord one day, because we've not been bold for Him. Hey, we need, to be, we need to be bold. Hey, we need to be outspoken about it. You know what they're trying to do to us today? They're trying to silence us. As Christians, they're trying to silence us. They're trying to tell us that if you stand against sin, that you're a bigot. Uh, but we need to be bold. In our, and that doesn't mean unkind. It doesn't mean that we need to be rude. It doesn't mean that we need to be crass. But we need to be bold. The Bible says what the Bible says. We ought to stand for it. You know, I want, I want to, why do you think that more Christians aren't bold in their stance? I had two thoughts about this. and I'm sure there are other reasons, but I had two thoughts about this. One is that they, I, I believe many Christians do not know what they believe. They just don't know what they believe. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says that we ought to be ready, always ready to give an answer for the hope that dwells in us. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You know why a lot of Christians are ashamed? They really don't know what they believe. They don't know what the Bible says. And so they don't know how to take a stand on it. 
You know what's happened? A lot of our churches have gotten too enamored with an entertainment and, and feeling and emotionalism. We, we care too much about all of those things, and yet we fail to teach God's Word so that when we go out, we can't take a stance because we really don't even know what it says. So many Christians are not bold in their stance because they don't know what the Bible says. They don't know what they believe. But can I tell you another reason I think that a lot of Christians aren't bold in their stance? is they do not believe what they know. Hey, we know that there is a heaven and there is a hell. But do we really believe it? Hey, how would that change the way that we spoke to people? How would that change the way that, that we, 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 we handed out tracts? How would that change the way that we supported missions? How would that change things when we really believed that there is a heaven, there is a hell, and people will spend eternity there? Sometimes I think we really don't believe what this Bible says because we don't live that way. We don't stand that way. We don't act that way. You know, we think, a lot of people think that faith is just believing. But faith is not just believing. Faith is having such belief that causes a change in our action. That is faith. I almost preached on, Romans, or on Hebrews chapter 11. Blaine brought a devotion on Hebrews chapter 11 at our men's breakfast. And we have a devotion we don't just eat. And so he brought a great devotion. Uh, and, and I almost preached on that subject about, about faith. Because that just, it drives me. And you, you look at Hebrews chapter 11. And it says that Noah had faith. What did Noah do because he had faith? Well, he built an ark. He saved a lot of people. Abraham had faith. What did he do? Well, he, he changed countries. He moved a long ways away. You know, when people have faith, it changes the way that they live. It, it causes an action to take place. And let me tell you something. When you really believe something, it'll cause you to be more bold in your stance for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that he defended the ground boldly. And last of all, number five, he trusted the Lord to bring the victory and gave him the glory. Look at what it says in the end of the verse there, verse 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. So what's going on here? He's out there, Shama on the rest of the, of the crowd right in the middle of that field. He's fighting. He's defending the ground and he's winning. He's, he's, he, all these Philistines are, you know, being slain, thrown to the side. I mean, he's winning this thing. And what happens? What does it say? And the Lord wrought a great victory. Now, who does it say wrought the great victory? Now, who was out there in the armor with the... the Shama was. It doesn't say that Shama wrought a great victory. What does it say? It says the Lord wrought a great victory. Hey, he realized something. He, he said, look, this ain't going to happen if it's just me. The odds are too stacked against me for that to take place, right? And that's what's happening in this world, man. The odds are stacked against us today, aren't they? But we don't have to, we don't have to do it. Jesus said in, in John 15 that I can, without me, you can do nothing. But he also tells us that with me, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Hey, we know that through the Lord we can have a great victory. And that's what Shama knew. He said, hey, look, it's not me, it's the Lord. And you know what he did too? This, this, is, this is in the Hall of Fame of, of, of David here, right? You know, it's, 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 it's recorded in God's Word. Hey, this is something that has lasted for, for thousands of years already and, and will last, we know, the Bible says, that it'll last forever, it'll last for eternity. But what did Shama do? He, he brought great glory to God through his life because he was willing to take a stand for the Lord. 
1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58, it says, Thanks be to God, which, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, Be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thought that God has already given us the victory? All we have to do is be faithful, take that stand, do what the Lord wants us to do, and we will have the rewards because of it. Shama's name lives on because he was willing to trust the Lord for the victory and gave him the glory for it. Wonderful thing about Matthew chapter 28, we know we have the Great Commission there, right? Talk about going into all the world and teaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? That's Matthew 28, verse 19. But what does the verse before it and the verse after it teach us? You know what the verse before it teaches us? Jesus came to them. They were scared at this time. Um, they had just seen Jesus get crucified, and they think they're coming for them next, right? That's what the disciples is going on. And Jesus said this. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Isn't that a wonderful thought? This world is against us. The devil is our enemy. Are you with me? Amen? Right? And, and, and it seems like it's getting worse, and it seems like they're getting more powerful. To me, I mean, maybe it doesn't seem that way to you, but it seems like they're, they're starting to win, and we don't like that. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, all power is given unto me. But you know what's so great about that? Is what does he say in the end? He, he gives us this command. It seems impossible to me almost to go into all the world and teach, you know, and preach and, and see people baptized, and that seems like a huge task. But what does Jesus say in the end of verse number 20? He says, and lo, I am with you always, even in the end of the world. Isn't that wonderful to know that when we take a stand, all power is given unto Jesus, and he is with us. And so we can, we can trust the Lord to bring the victory. Conclusion here. I think that we need to be more bold than ever in our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, let me tell you something. Your friends, your family, your schoolmates, your workmates... They depend on it. They depend on it. Young people, this week when you go to school, take a stand for the Lord. Hey, be a Christian. Be a real Christian. Not ashamed of it. Let others know. Hey, when you go to your plant, some of you might work in a plant, man, be a Christian. Hey, be, be the best Christian you can be. Take a stand. Don't be ashamed of being a Christian. Be a good Christian. When you go to your office, whatever your place of work. Hey, when you're with your family, the devil's taking our schools, isn't he? You get in those public schools, the devil's taking our schools. We need some people to take a stand, take them back. These plants, hear about all the wickedness and stuff that goes on, the affairs and all these things. The devil's taking ground there, isn't he? We need some Christians in the plants that'll take a stand and get it back. These offices, we think about the plants and all that, but... Let me tell you something, these office situations, it, some, some wickedness going on in those things, you know. We need some Christians that will take a stand and get them back. And I was thinking about this. In our homes, in our families, the devil's been taking some ground. Even in Christian homes and families. We need some men to be some fathers, to take a stand for what's right in their home, be a leader. We need some women that will take a stand 
in their home. Hey, we need some young people, some, some, some sons and some daughters that will take a stand in their home and say, look, I'm tired of the devil taking my home, making my family. I'm going to take a stand for the Lord. These people take a stand. Because other people, they depend on it. Those people in your school that don't hear your testimony because you, you, you were ashamed didn't take a stand. You realize that many of those are dying and going to hell without the Lord Jesus? Those plants, those offices. Hey, and our families, we're allowing our children, the devil, take them. We need to take a stand for the Lord. This is an old stat, but it's a, it's a stat. It was in a book I read several years ago. And I'm sure it, it's worse. It's, it's higher today. It was G. Campbell Morgan. He said this. <clears throat> he said that 56.5 million people perish without Christ each year. And we are afraid to stand up for Jesus. Isn't that a sobering thought? Hey, we need to be like, like Shama. We need to say, you're not taking it this year, buddy. I'm taking a stand. I'm done with this. Stand. I think of the song, maybe Brother Randy, maybe we could do this even in invitation, but stand up, stand up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross, lift high His royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, His army shall He lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Now let's take a stand for the Lord today.